0: What's up, guys? Welcome, everyone. I hope you're all doing well. We are now at episode three of Finding Your Fire here where me and Ben talk about some financial independence, some tips on how to achieve financial independence for people who are younger, so for some teenagers. Today, probably one of the more anticipated episodes for me and Ben, we're going to be talking about investing and the different kinds of accounts in terms of retirement accounts, what some of their benefits are. And we're also going to be talking about individual brokerage accounts and some funds that you can start investing in now that are going to pay you off for the rest of your life. But Ben, before we get started with any of those, why don't you tell people what's the relevance or importance, or I guess the benefit of even putting your money into one of these different accounts? What's wrong with just having your money sit in a checking or savings account?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, if your money is just sitting in a checking or savings account, you're basically losing money over time because with inflation, which I think is around three to 4% a year, I'm not totally sure. But at that rate, the if the money is just sitting in your checking account where you're getting 1% or maybe 0.1% interest on that money, that mm-hmm. money is becoming wor- worth less money by over time. it. And so having an investment account and investing is allowing you to take that money and put it to work. Money is meant to be working for you. And when when you put it to work, it's going to make you more money. And that is why you should be investing so that you can grow your money and use the, the power of compound interest and time that is on our side when we're young to just plan out your life and just get so far ahead of people because of this advantage.
0: And to just have options, right? I mean, the more money you have, the more options you have available to you. So even if you're not committed to doing something, but just knowing that you could essentially do whatever you want um, is obviously something something that a lot of people want, um, especially now with where we're at in society and things. But Ben, let's first talk about retirement accounts specifically, because I think that's that's a great transition. So there are a ton of different kinds of retirement accounts, and a lot of them aren't super useful to the people who watch our podcast. But Ben, what are some of the ones that we want to talk about today?
1: Yeah, so the biggest ones we're going to be talking about today are the traditional IRA and the Roth IRA. The Roth IRA is an incredible investment vehicle because yes. the way the Roth IRA works and also the tr- traditional IRA, both of these allow you to put up to $6,000 into them every year. The way the Roth IRA works though, is that from that $6,000 that you invest every year, you can always take it out at any. you can take out the principal, which is the money that you're putting in, not the interest you're gaining on it. You can put take that out at any time so if you're younger and you do really need that money, it's always technically liquid, even though you shouldn't really take it out. Yeah. But also the other advantage is that when you turn 59 and a half, you can take out all the money in that account that's been growing over time tax-free. And that is incredible. Like um, with the Roth IRA, if you just put $500 in that a month, so you're maxing it out every year, which is $6,000, Over 40 years, you'll have contributed $238,000 just by doing $500 a month. But in 40 years, that money will have grown to $1.5 million just by doing $6,000 a year.
0: Man, the power of compound interest. It is nuts. But one of the things that Ben mentioned there was, there were some certain tax benefits that come with different kinds of retirement accounts. So there's something like a traditional retirement account and then you have Roth retirement accounts. And when it comes to a traditional retirement account, your contributions are all pre-taxed, your growth is all tax-free, but your withdrawal ends up being taxed. So that means that if you're hitting that 59 and a half or whatever age you wanna retire at, and you're at that, let's say just million dollars, you know, then you're going to get taxed. And that's going to be that's going to be quite a bit of money versus going with a Roth retirement account where your contributions themselves are actually taxed. But then the growth and the withdrawal are, of course, tax free. So that's why a Roth is generally a better option for letting your money work for you, because, you know, you would much rather have a little bit of money taxed out of the money you're putting in versus a couple hundred thousand dollars when retirement time comes.
1: Exactly. And so the Roth is just the best way to get started investing at any age. Like even your parents. If you're under 18, your parents can open a custodial account for you. Is what it's called. Oh yeah. And it's basically your account. And if like when your parents have kids or you have kids, like if you're putting opening a Roth IRA for your kid when they're born, like you can do that and you're just putting in that $500 a month. When they're 20, they're they're halfway to a million already. Like (laughs) knowing these, knowing financial literacy can just get so far ahead by just doing these like small little things and just knowing the rules, knowing what's available to you and how to use it.
0: Ben, honestly, I think that that is, that is, couldn't be, like better put, like that's so true. You know, for me, like I, I I, didn't grow up knowing any of this stuff. My parents didn't grow up knowing any of this stuff. But once I was able to understand that there was education behind managing money, it was a game changer because I think it's literally just knowing what's out there, right? Like most people don't know this, th- these different vehicles for money and how it can work for them. Um, and so you're right. I mean, once you understand what these are and how to use them, it's almost a no brainer, right? I mean, like, why wouldn't you?
1: Exactly. And then the next <laughs> one we can talk about is also the traditional IRA. Oh, yeah, yeah. Very similar to the Roth IRA, except for once you start making a little bit more money and you want to pay less taxes, the traditional IRA is a tax deduction when you put your money into it at the start. So if I put $6,000 into it instead of the Roth, you have to pick one or the other for each year. It's up mm-hmm. to 6000 total or up to 6,000 in each. So if I'm doing the traditional IRA and I put $6,000 into it, that is a $6,000 deduction on my taxes at the end of the year. So that's going to bring me down into a lower tax bracket and let me pay less taxes while also setting myself up for the future. And with the traditional IRA, you do have to pay taxes on the way out when you take your money out, but there are some tax hacks that can make it so that it's almost tax free. But that's more so Ben, strategies.
0: yeah, that's stuff. That that's some complicated uh, stuff. But Ben, so we recommend that the majority of young people start out with that Roth, with the Roth, and then switch to the traditional IRA. At what point should people think about transitioning to that traditional IRA? It honestly
1: just depends. Like, I don't have a great knowledge on that part of it. But as far mm-hmm. as which one you want, it just depends what your priorities are. Do you need the tax? Like deduction, do you need to pay like are you making a high income and do you want to have lower taxes? In that case, you want to do the traditional IRA so that you can get your tax uh, percentage down. But if you're younger, if you're working a part-time job or in college or something, you're only making like twelve, fifteen thousand dollars a year, like yeah, IRA is the way to go because you're not worried about any taxes and you're just putting yourself ahead right and so again just for the people who are watching these kinds of retirement
0: accounts there's there's lots of different variants of them and so just to name a few we you know you have like a 401k, you have something called a TSP, a 403B, a 457, an IRA, a SEP IRA, and a solo 401k. And and, I mean, there's just, there's a lot that's going on there with retirement accounts. So like Ben mentioned, it is really important just to educate yourself on what those different vehicles of money can do and how they're relevant to you and what you want to
1: do with your finances and in your life. Exactly. And then the third retirement vehicle that I just want to talk about that might apply to a few people that are watching this. If you decide not to go to the college route or you're working a job that has a 401k plan, this is another retirement account that can be super advantage to you. You can put up to $19,500 in a 401k as the max every year. And that money is like the traditional IRA where it is all deductible. So just between that and the IRA, if you max both of those out each year, that's uh like twenty five, twenty six thousand dollars in deductible money from your taxes bringing you into a lower tax rate and paying yep. less taxes because you're just bringing yourself into a lower rate and the cool thing that some 401ks do is that your employer will contribute a percentage or match what match you if you're lucky if you're lucky if you're and lucky yeah just by doing that that is free money like that's like if they're matching it, that's a hundred percent return on your investment just by putting it in. Yeah. Like that's a no brainer. Like you have to do that. Like, and then with a 401k plan, the one difference is there's usually um, set things that your company has, but then you just want to look through those. And we'll talk about later in this podcast, what you want to look for.
0: Yeah. And and the reason being is because those, of course, are company-sponsored retirement plans. So that's why the company has a list of of those different funds that they would recommend investing with. Um, But Ben, I think that we should talk a little bit more about um, individual brokerage accounts. Do you want to get into that?
1: Yeah, exactly. So individual brokerage accounts. So once you do your IRA, your your retirement stuff, or your 401k and max all that stuff out, if you if you can, for the year. After that, that's where you have your individual brokerage, which is not a retirement thing. You can take your money out at any time. There's no tax advantages, really, except for when you're holding stuff over a year. Um, But with an individual brokerage, you can put as much money into it. You have unlimited amount to put into that. And basically, that is just for all the extra money you want to invest and just the money that's gonna help push you towards that retry, early retirement even more.
0: And one of the important things to notice when you get involved with individual
1: brokerage accounts, what, what are you buying in these retirement vehicles? Like mm-hmm. what, for, first, so like one thing that people get wrong a lot about these retirement vehicles is people are like, oh, I put $6,000 in my Roth IRA. Like it's not doing anything. <laughs> well, it's just an umbrella. Like you have to yeah. buy you have to buy funds and stocks and stuff within those retirement accounts. You invest with them. Exactly. So if I have a Roth IRA, I buy $6,000 worth of index funds for example. That is now my portfolio. But when I just put the money into it, it doesn't do anything. It's just in there but it's not working for me. And so that brings us to the subject of what are index funds and why are those such a efficient way to do your investing? And so index funds are basically, they're low cost, so low expense ratio versions that have are super diversified in either a category or are following an index like the S&P 500 and they're trying to basically mirror that with their own constructed group of stocks.
0: Yeah, so just to put what Ben said in perspective, it's it's similar, and again, just cause I'm a visual thinker, so I like playing these things out. It's like, if, if Ben had like a, a thousand apartment, a hundred apartment buildings, um, and you know Ben charged me a thousand dollars for one of those apartment buildings, that would be similar to investing in an individual stock. Um, but index funds basically would be if, okay, Ben said, all right, Jared, you know, it's $1,000, but I'm going to give you a percentage of all of my earnings from all 100 apartment buildings. Um, so, like, it's, a, it's, a, it's like buying a little bit of everything, basically, is what index funds are.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, for example, let's use the stock, the index fund that I'm mostly invested in, which is VTSAX, Vanguard Total Stock Market Index Fund. And so, this is a makeup of over 3,500 companies. So, and it basically mirrors the stock market. And so over time, the stock market has proved over the last um, hundred plus years that it's going up more than 70% of the time. And Yeah, so- Ben,
0: actually, just to add, just because the only reason I interrupt is because I have those statistics in front of me right now. Oh, and yeah, so in terms, of, in terms of asset classes, so stocks, bonds, bills, gold, and the US dollar, stocks have had the highest annualized return by far 6.6% and the closest being bonds at 3.6. So over a long period of time, um, stocks and index funds are going to outperform a lot of other different kinds of assets. So that's why timing, like that's why the amount of time you have in the market is oftentimes more important than the timing in the market.
1: Exactly. A hundred percent correct there. And so one study that you can relate to, to kind of prove that point of the time in the market versus timing the market. Um, Vanguard did a study about um, investors and who performed the best. And what they found is that at the end of all their research, the people with the best returns were either dead or they forgot that they had their accounts, which proves that with index and when you're investing, it's all about time in the market. And even Warren Buffett Said when he when he dies, all his um his wealth is going to go into low cost index funds like VTSAX.
0: Huh. I I, I generally I had no idea about that study, so you have to send me that or something because I would love to read more about that. So I know we have listed then is expense ratios and the importance of those because those are oftentimes overlooked. And I know that when I was doing my research for which provider I wanted to go for, you know, Vanguard, Schwab, uh, Robinhood. Um, know there are a couple different platforms and i wasn't aware of the of the relevance that expense ratios play with their funds and for those of you who are unaware expense ratios are often called management expense ratios but it's basically like expense ratios are important they're they're like the price that you almost have to pay to have that fund to meet for that fund to be managed it's like going to the grocery store and not looking at the price of something you're going to buy right i mean you you want to be very aware because they can affect your profits long term so ben what's What's important about understanding expense ratios when it comes to picking the funds that you want to invest in?
1: So expense ratios are basically the fee, like you earlier explained, the fee that you pay for having, for, for the people that basically created this stock. It's, it's yeah. the cost of an extra cost for them managing it basically. And so with expense ratios, that fee, that little fee, even though most of them are low, can add up to a very big difference in your investing portfolio over time. For example, I I took this one example of an expense ratio where one person, portfolio one, their expense ratio is 0.75%. So three quarters of a percent. And the other person has an expense ratio of 0.25%. So the first one starts, so over 30 years, this is with $100,000 at an average return of 10%, which is a little high, but it's easier for the numbers. Portfolio one ended up with $1.4 million. And portfolio two, which had half a percent lower um, expense ratio, ended up with $1.6 million. So just from half a percent difference in the expense ratio, you lost more than $200,000. And the scary thing is. That is crazy. Oh, it's crazy. (laughs) That's nuts. The thing is is that these are even low compared to what most people are paying for their expense ratios. If you have a financial advisor, they average at least 1%, and that's considered low for an expense ratio of a financial advisor. Most of the time, they charge you 1% to buy and 1% to sell, or up to like 3%. And that is just taking so many fees when really 3%. If you just go with simple index fund strategies, you have to do so little work. And most people can do this on their own without getting stressed about it and just putting in a super small amount of time to just research it and get started.
0: Yeah. And Ben, like you mentioned, I mean, like, this is one of those things where you just kind of, you just kind of put money in and you don't have to actively manage, you know, this isn't like an actively managed mutual fund. You don't have, you know, people managing it that are charging like out the wazoo, like you just mentioned, you're, you're, you're literally putting money in and just letting compound interest do its thing. So it really is like, once you, once you become aware of what, again, these different vehicles for money are, it is a no brainer.
1: Exactly. And and the one thing I'll throw in is that example I just did was with 0.25% and uh or yeah 0.25 of a percent and 0.75 of a percent. And those are considered low. VTSAX, their expense ratio is 0.004%. Like it's basically nothing. Yeah. And, and that's just a great index fund that's just mirrored the stock market basically over time and you're basically almost no fees on it whatsoever.
0: And yeah, and and like we were talking about a little bit before off cameras, Vanguard does have, you know, when you're buying and when you're setting up these kinds of accounts, you have to pick a provider to go with. And you know, I have Vanguard, Ben, you use Vanguard as well. Have you used anything else by the way? I was gonna ask you.
1: Yeah. So I actually used uh e-trade also. Um Ah. I was buying the same kind of funds. I was buying the ETF version of VTSAX. So it's very similar. And actually, the only difference really is that um, with VTSAX, you have a minimum investment of $3,000 that you have to put in at the first time you buy it. And then after it, you could buy like $5 of it every single day, like you can buy really tiny amounts. But with the ETF version of it, you have to buy whole shares of it. And so the whole share is like a hundred and ninety dollars a share. or So and so that's yeah like BTSAX better because you can just there's no up, share price All amounts yeah
0: yeah that's huge too that's something that I that I love about about that because again you can you can contribute as much or as little as you want whenever you want um, so definitely something especially for the most people who watch our podcast for younger people that's going to be important as well um, so just something to keep in mind.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. And then one other thing that that's going back to index funds versus like actively managed funds. So like, um, with actively managed funds, the, the percentage of financial advisor, or I guess just actively managed, uh, portfolios, they underperform the market 85 to 92% of the time. And that's when you're paying like a one to 3% like expense. Yeah.
0: And your goal or the objective with an actively managed mutual fund is to outperform its benchmark and they're underperforming most of the time. So it's like, why, like, why would you, I don't know.
1: Exactly. And that's why. And the one thing I really like about index funds is because they're so much lower risk than buying individual stocks. When you buy an individual stock, so there's actually two parts to this. So when you're buying an individual stock, the worst it can go to is zero. And, but as far as up, it's got unlimited potential. And this goes into the index funds also because the index funds are made up of a ton of different stocks. And so the way it works is if one stock is going down and goes down to zero, it just gets replaced by a new company. And so the worst you can ever lose is 0% or is a hundred percent, but the upside is just infinity. Like it can, right. there's no and limit. Up. And yeah, it's, it's just a crazy way that that, that works. And it just helps decrease the risk and make you a lot more comfortable and less stressed about um, buying index funds. I mean, just my index funds. I didn't, I put them in, I bought them. I have not even looked at the account really, <laughs> Um, but I checked today and I'm up 27% on the year, just wow. on funds and doing absolutely nothing. And I mean, the You're average money average return is over the last 10 years on BTSAX is, I believe around 15%, which is like crazy. If That's you nuts. That.
0: Yeah. And again, the, you again, like I, the reason I, why I love that so much as well is just because the diversification that you can get from index funds as well, right? Like if you, if you bought into one that was mirroring the S and P 500, Um, there's just so much diversity with that. Like that's, that's, that's kind of all you would need, um, in that regards, you know what I mean? In terms of obviously diversifying the assets that you have and what you're buying into, it is diversified because again, you're buying a little bit of everything instead of individual. So like Ben said, especially when it comes to the potential of profiting, of making money, there is quite literally no ceiling on that number. So another interesting thing about that.
1: Yeah, exactly. And so as we wrap up today, just like taking some actionable tips and things that you can go out and get started with. Yeah. If you're 18, you can go and open a Roth IRA right away on your own. You can call Vanguard and they will set you up with it. They make it a very simple process. You can do it on your own. But if you don't know how, just call them. Their customer service is amazing to set you up. And then also if you're under 18, talk to your parents about it. And honestly, one thing I'm super interested in, if you ask your parents if they know what their expense ratios are on their investments and just DM us that stuff. And I'm very interested to hear what kind of stuff they're paying. And then also to show them maybe some examples of how those fees are hurting them and just maybe give them a little bit of think about and see if there's some things they can change there. But yeah, so action tip number one, Roth IRA with Vanguard or just anywhere that has low expense ratios, do a little bit of research on index funds just to see what kind of ones are out there, what different categories there are, like the health sector or the tech sector or a little yep. bit of everything. Cause whatever works for one person might not work for the other one, but just right. indexes in general, there's something for everyone. Yeah. So and, the- two things, and then if you got any extra money, get started on investing because you can see $500 a month, 1.5 million in 40 years. So just getting started is the biggest part.
0: I I couldn't agree more with that, Ben. And so right before we leave off, one of the things that I wanted to ask you, Ben, is so in general, just to get, because, you know, you make a full-time living, right, with your resale book business. So you have a full-time income, you have normal expenses. So Ben, what's sort of the blueprint that follows behind your financial strategy? So, you know, like, like what are you actually doing are you are you living like like how are you putting your money I'm trying to figure out of a way that I can word this because I know I know what I'm trying to ask of you but it's difficult so like so when it comes to cuz cuz we went over a lot in this episode we went over a lot of different kind of retirement accounts we went over index funds different types of index funds expense ratios um so the blueprint for you know reaching financial independence for you Looks a little something like what?
1: Basically, if you put it simple, it's living below your means and investing the difference. Perfect.
0: That's all. That is perfect. Living below your means and investing the difference. Awesome. So that okay. is, is is actionable tip number three, I think. Um, just something to think about. But yeah, guys, if you're out there, if you're young, if you're interested in finance, if you're interested in financial independence at some point of your life, these are definitely some tips that you should start looking into doing your own research. And again, just because we're doing something uh, one way doesn't mean that you should also just directly emulate that. Of course, everybody has their own goals. Everybody's in a different financial situation. So make sure that you do your research. Um, So yeah, other than that, though, thank you all for watching. This has been episode number three, and we look forward to seeing you in the next one.